0: Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. There is a parable that is well known to Christians. It is called the Parable of the Talents. But I would invite your attention only to the third of the three main characters, beginning in verse 24. He who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, verse 25, and went and hid your talent in the ground look there you have what is yours but his Lord answered and said to him you wicked and lazy servant you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed therefore you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers And at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And cast The unprofitable servant into the outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Laurie, would you step up here just a minute? Do you mind if I pick on you this morning? I I guess you can't mind now, can you? (laughs) All right. Now, I want to talk this morning about uh, the God who loves a harvest. And this passage explains why God is a God of blessing. Always in the Bible, the picture of a harvest refers to an ingathering of God's blessing from whatever man has planted for the glory of God. Now, Laurie, I have two bills in my hand here. That is one of the brand new hundreds. I can't tell you where I got it because he asked me not to tell you. But he was just sitting with me up here. I didn't have one of these, but he had, but I can't tell you who it was. (laughs) Now, I did have this. Now, I have two bills, and uh, I'm going to give you this one. But what is it? Tell the people what that is. It's a 20, okay? Show them up. Maybe some of them haven't seen one for a while. (laughs) It's a 20. And uh, I have in my hand, uh, guess what this is? It's a hundred. It's one of those new hundreds. Uh, notice the face of, how many of you know whose face is on, on 100? It's been a long time, hasn't it, since you saw one of those? It's Ben Franklin. And notice it's slightly off-centered. And uh, it's got new threads running through it. And over here, if you hold it up to the light, there's a, another picture of Franklin over here on this side. And uh, a secret number somewhere. So it's harder to counterfeit. Now you have that 20. And I have the 100. And I'm going to give you a choice. You, I'm going to, just suppose I give you a (laughs) choice. Let's get this straight. I'm dealing with somebody else's. I got to be a good steward of this. Just suppose I give you a choice. You can have one bill, one of these bills, whichever one you would like. Totally up to you. All right? However, if you want this bill, you have to walk a straight line over here to me and give me that bill and invest that in this hand and then this will be given to you in this hand. Now, this involves three steps. You must make a choice. Got it? You have to choose. Secondly, you must walk. You must take a step. And third, you must trust me that if you put that bill in this hand, I'm going to make sure this one gets back in yours. Is everybody with me? You understand that? Boys, you understand that? Okay. Now the time has come. Are you ready for the choice? Make your choice. Now. Yes, right now. That's a pretty smart girl. Thank you. You can go back to your seat. I had to sign my life away. He's got my visa card. Make sure I get this back. Uh, Now, that's really what God is interested in. And that's what it means to bless. When we pray for God's blessing, the most popular Hebrew and most often used Hebrew word is to go in a straight line to something that is provided for you. That's bless. You know the amazing thing about the God we serve is that everything he touches, he blesses and multiplies. Everything. 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 Whatever we plant as channels and stewards, God multiplies. Whether it's agricultural, whether it's spiritual, whether it's work, whether it's physical, whether it's in school, whatever we invest by faith, trusting God he takes little, a 20, and turns it into much, a 100. There's a man by the name of Harvey Pennick. he's 90 years old, 90 years old. Two years ago he published a book called Harvey Pennick's Little Red Book of Golf. Anybody have it? Anybody got that book? You got it? Okay. Great. John, Gina. And uh, that man in 1929 bought a Little Red Notebook and started writing down all the tips he ever got on how to play golf. And he put them in that Little Red Book And he never did anything with those tips but hold them in the red book. Till in 1991, he showed the red book to a friend who said, you ought to publish that. He did and sold over a million copies of Harvey Penick's Little Red Book of Golf. And then he wrote a second book called... uh, if, and if you play golf, you're my friend. And that book has already sold over three quarters of a million copies. And the author is a 90-year-old golfer. But when he took his first red book to Simon and Schuster, 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 Schuster. Oh Shucks, it's <laughs> oh, Schuster. Oh <laughs> Shuster. But anyway, when he took it, the, the man negotiated for him an advance of $90,000 and went back to Mr. Penick and said, Simon and Schuster will, will publish this book for an advance of $90,000. And he said, you know, I've had so many medical bills lately, I just don't believe I can raise that much right now. No, they said. You give them the book and they give you the $90,000. Sometimes that's the way it is with God. We think all God is interested in is getting, 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 receiving, receiving, receiving. Don't go to that church at Calvary. All they want is your money and your time. The fact is, the Lord doesn't need any single thing you have. Not one thing. He got along without you before he met you. He's going to get along without you now. You take your little dollars and run, he says, and I'll find somebody else with the big bucks. But the truth is this, that in this third person of the parable of the talents... We learn five things about God that we ought to know in terms of investing our lives for his glory. The first thing we learn is that God is fair. Look in verse 24. He who had received the one talent, and our talent is a weight, and its value was determined by whether it was in copper, silver, or gold. It was the currency of the day. He who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man when the master came back. He said, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now, wait just a minute. This is serious business. That is a charge, an accusation against God when he says, I knew you to be a hard man. You reap where you have not sown. And you gather where you have not scattered seed. That is simply not true. The master in the story who represents God had already sown and scattered. He gave five and two and one. And this is a charge against God. Be very careful. You can talk about me all you want. You can talk about... uh, 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 Larry Souls, all you want. You can talk about John Sapp, all you want. But you better be careful the charges you make against God. And when you say that God's a very hard and austere God and all he wants is my money, that is serious business to a very generous God who loves to bless you by putting you on a straight line and getting you somewhere. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? The charge is that God is not fair. What he does is distorts the issue. You know, the devil is so good at this. He loves to distort the issue. The issue is not the master. The issue is this man's unfaithfulness. He took his one talent. What did he do with it, class? He hit it in the ground. He thought the master should give him a commendation for keeping it all intact. When in reality, that isn't at all what God, the master, had in mind. He did sow and scatter. And rather than admit guilt, the man blames the master as if the master should have given him a blue ribbon because I've saved it and hoarded it for you. And here it is. But God is a God of blessing. And he's a God of multiplication. And he's a God who loves to take everything we have, not just our money, and multiply it and bless it and prosper it and enlarge it. And the fact is, he's not a hard and austere God. And the fact is, he is fair. God is always fair. And as we see later, he gives to one five and to another two and to another one. And there is some indication that he had some advanced idea about how faithful these men were or were not. And I assure you, If you can take it, God will let you manage it. If you can't take it, then he probably will withhold it from you. And as you learn to be faithful with everything God gives you, and you give it to him and invest it, he will trust you with more. God is fair. He is not a God who reaps where he has not scattered seed or gathers where he has not sown. The very nature of God, the God of the harvest, is to scatter seed and to plant seed and expect a harvest. He did it in my life. He did it in your life. He let somebody come into your life and plant the gospel seed. Do you remember the day, John, when he did that? And you came to Jesus Christ, and he's been growing that seed ever since, hasn't he? God is a fair God. There's a second thing here. And that is that God owns. God is the owner. Look at verse 25. I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the ground. Is that what he said? Underline that. I was afraid, I was fearful, because I knew it belonged to you, God the Master. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have, aren't you lucky? I didn't lose anything. There you have what it is that is yours. I'll tell you, God is not very interested in a maintenance ministry of anything he's given you. God is not very interested in a, uh, a conservative maintenance ministry. You might be conservative, but if you get as conservative as this man, you're going to be in for a hard time in life. Amen? <laughs> you hide it in the ground because you're afraid to risk it. See, even Laurie, to get that $100 bill, had to take a step and walk a straight line in order to get the 20 exchanged for the 100 I don't. I don't think that's a small uh, point to miss here. In fact, when you read this and you read the early commentaries, the main point of this whole parable of the talents is what the last man did. Hardly anybody writes about the others. They all write about this last man who was an unprofitable servant. Unprofitable. Stewardship is what he's trying to talk about here. God owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We manage. When will we learn this? This is... I think this $20 bill is mine. A certain other anonymous person thinks that $100 bill is his, but these aren't ours. They belong to the Lord. The issue is, how am I going to manage this for the glory of God? The issue issue is, how am I going to manage my opportunities, my talent? Anything I have which came from God The issue is God owns it, I manage it, and whatever I have and whatever I am and whatever you have and whatever you are is stewardship, pure and simple, stewardship. The question is not what shall I give of my time, how much shall I reserve for myself in order to maintain the balance in life that I need to maintain. God owns. It belongs to him. And that seal of ownership cannot be erased from your talent, your time, your health, your life, your gifts, or your money. I was in Philadelphia last week and I went walking in this little, there's a little borough where this church was that I was at. And they have sidewalks over the whole thing neat rows of houses. And uh, I, as I was walking, I noticed that on many pieces of the sidewalk, there was a stamp, DNS, Sidewalk Builders, from Clifton Heights, Pennsylvania. And there was that sign stamped in there. Uh, reminds me of what I did when I was down at Boca Raton, they were building a sidewalk. I'm an old man, but I still love to put my initials in fresh con- What is there about fresh concrete? just draws you like f- honey draws flies. You see that sitting there and you say, I got to put my initials in that. And uh, how many of you have done, come on, how many of you have ever put your initials in fresh? Come on. Ruthanne, have you done that? You've done that? Chuck, did you do that? you done that, Rick? How many of you have done it? You, you put your initials. Now then I would come to a piece of sidewalk where the weather had eroded the top and the top layer had lost that stamp. And you couldn't tell who built the poor quality sidewalk because the stamp of ownership was gone. But I want to tell you, your talent to teach has got God stamped all over it. And your money has got God stamped all over it. And your time and life and your daytimer has got God stamped all over it. We must get back to the concept I don't own anything as a believer, God owns it. I am a hired manager, and everything from money to time to energy to opportunity to preach to do anything belongs to God, and I am the steward. The third thing that that we learn about God here is that God gives opportunity. Look at verse 26. His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. Boy, I'll tell you, he had no words of commendation for this man. When I read that, I say, shame on every one of us who are not using what God has given us. This is a powerful condemnation. You wicked and lazy servant. You, if, see, now, now I want to give you my translation. If you really thought I reap where I don't sow and I gather where I haven't scattered seed, if you really thought that, why did you handle my talent the way you did? You should have deposited at least, put it in the bank with the bankers so that at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Um... I don't want to depart too far from this, but God must be somewhat of a capitalist, amen. <laughs> I mean, he said, I want back what I've what's mine with interest. God is interested in knowing whether you have invested what he has trusted to your care. Don't stick your talent under the mattress. Don't take your spiritual gift and park it in neutral. Get it out where it can be used is what he's saying. Both the number and the kind of opportunities are God's. And God says, the master says, if you really thought that, why did you take it and hide it? Why were you fearful and afraid? Now, the three basic principles we must remember God always operates on. In his economy, it always works this way. God always goes from few to much. From little to much. The devil goes from much to little. God goes from little to much. Have you got that straight? Whether it's your money, whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, God goes from little to much, few to many. Secondly, the second principle is that moral good and faithfulness always lead to joy. Notice the man who had five talents. Verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of your Lord. To the man who had two, verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over how many things, class? Many. That's always God's way. Always God's way. If you have it to be 120, it'll still be God's principle. You move from little to much, from few to many, if you can keep microphones out of your way. And uh, that's the way God works. The third principle is, That God multiplies faithful work and investment. God multiplies faithful work and investment. Now, I've got some bad news for the weary and some good news for the energetic. Are you ready? God's reward for faithful work is more work. Hmm. Hmm. Now, I don't know about that one. God's reward for faithful ministry is more ministry. God's reward for faithful handbell service is more handbell service. Right, Gail? That's the truth. You think about that. God's reward, where's Brian Wood? Uh, Here he is. God's reward for faithful ministry and song is what, class? What is it? Less ministry? No. It's always more. God's reward to Guy Hip for faithful ministry is less responsibility. He's carrying more responsibility than he's ever carried before in his life. Now, you may not like that, but if you understand your purpose here, you better appreciate it even if you don't like it. And that is the way God works. When we are faithful to Him, He gives more to us. And that's the way. God always works. There's a fourth thing I want you to learn about God here. God always expects a return. (laughs) He always expects a return. Now, there's an inexorable law that's loose in this world. Matthew chapter 7. Judge not, lest ye be what? Judged. For with what judgment you judge, it shall be judged unto you. I'm telling you that is an inescapable law. It is always true. What goes round comes round, right? Do you really believe that? If you live long enough, you will believe it. Believe me. It will come around to you. And when you are critical and judgmental of people, is what Jesus is saying, you will get criticized and judged yourself with the same judgment you meet out. Watch how you handle your children. They will tend to handle you when you get old the way you handled them when they were young. And now's the time to make an investment, right? Got that, Glenda? Okay, that's really important. Because by the time you get to be 65, you know, in the year 2096, uh, who knows whether Social Security be around to take care of you? And uh, Eric might have to take care of you for the rest of your life. Frightening prospect, isn't it? Except he's gonna think how successful he's gonna be because of what you poured into him. See? That's the way it works. Now, it's always true in God's economy. Whatsoever you you sow, that you shall also reap. And it's true in terms of good. The four laws of the harvest are always true. You always reap if you sow. You always reap what you sow. You always reap later than you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. If, what, later, and more. And that works in the economy of God are some ways God wants me to invest my life. He doesn't want me standing still. Uh, Let me make some suggestions. I think God wants us to invest by giving love. And the more love I give, the more love I get. I've got a group of little girls for whom I'm a surrogate grandpa. I love being grandpa. And uh They come up and hug me every Sunday morning. You know why I hurry out here? Have you ever wondered why I leave you when you're singing? I go out to get my hugs. That's where I'm going. I'm going back to get all my hugs. And the more hugs I give, guess what? The more hugs I what, class? I get. The more love I, you said I just don't believe that. You know, here's where our generation, the 20th generation that we're raising right now of young adults is very cynical. They honestly don't believe that what goes around will come back around fairly. That's really true. That's one of the great challenges of our day. So I must give my love and I receive love. I invest my capacity to love and God gives me back love. I invest my time and God gives me back time. Nineteen years ago, a young high school senior wasn't even a member of this church, who was a member of another church in this city, called a number of pastors trying to get an appointment to see if somebody would help him to understand what the call of God was. I was up to my ears in alligators. I was trying to raise four kids. I was trying to meet everybody's needs. I thought I was king of the world and uh, secretary of agriculture, commerce, and war at the same time. And yet he called and I said, yeah, I'll be glad to see you. And I spent an hour with a young 17-year-old high school senior. And today, that man has graduated from seminary and is an official in a, a very fine position with a Baptist State Convention agency. And when I went through a period late last year of attack over a position that I had taken, guess who wrote the letter of defense for me? I never asked him. I never told him. He wrote it. And he took a beating for standing up for me. But I'd invested time in him 19 years ago. And there was ultimately a return that benefited me. Perhaps that's what Jesus means when he says, whoever loses his life shall save it. And whoever saves his life shall lose it. And we don't understand that till we see a conundrum like this or, or a, it's almost a contradiction. At least it's an oxymoron. And beyond that, it's kind of hard to figure out. <laughs> but anyway, that's the way God works. We invest love. We invest time. We invest service, ministry to others. You group leaders, think of what you're piling up for the glory of God an investment of your time. Think about this. Putting it on deposit, not burying it in the ground. By investing it in somebody's life, it'll come back to you a thousand times over. And everything that God gives us, he wants us to invest like that. Money is the same way. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he does it. But there's a fifth thing I want you to learn. And that is this, that God gives to the one who has. Point. I think you must not miss this point because he he wraps that up. He summarizes the, the parable of the talents with that. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Boy, that ought to inform your political philosophy. You say, well, what in the world do you mean by that, preacher? Well, I'll tell you what I mean. The government takes from those who have and gives to those who have not. God takes from those who have not and gives to those who have. Oh, you say, what a callous statement. (laughs) Well, wait a minute, I didn't say this. Jesus said it. Why don't you wait and argue with him in heaven? Now, that doesn't, that never relieves us of our responsibility to give to the poor. It doesn't relieve us from our responsibility to help the less fortunate. Generosity is one of the greatest gifts Christians can have, but in the economy of God, God takes from him who does not have and gives to the one who has. That's how we know that the reward for faithful service is more service. And the reward for the faithful investment of your life, your time, your energy, your ministry, your love is more opportunities to love, and more opportunities to give, and more opportunities to spend time, and more telephone calls from people who've got needs and problems. Uh, I I said to the staff of this church that I was with last week, uh, we were talking about ministry, and and, uh, I said, Is it up here like it is at home? They said, What do you mean? I said, well, one of the ways that ministry has changed is that we have so many dysfunctional families that we have hundreds and thousands of people who are looking for help. And we become a helping minister. There's, there's no end. Never have we needed a body of Christ able to minister to the world more than we do in this day because we are reaping a terrible, terrible uh, harvest of uh, in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases of ignoring The needs of children and young people. And they're coming up now into adult life with enormous needs. Hold your hand here and go back to Matthew chapter 13 verse 12. Jesus had already said this earlier. He said that when he was talking about the mysteries of the kingdom. Whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. There's the principle. Now he tells the parable in Matthew 25 which supports that idea. We go from being unfaithful to faithful. And he takes from the unfaithful and gives to the faithful. Because the issue here is not how much of time or love or ministry or money anybody has. But the issue is, what do we do with what we have? We all have the same amount of time. Every one of us. We all have the same capacity to love. Or we should have. The issue is not how much we have of anything. The issue is what do we do with what we have, whether it is little or much, whether it is two talents or five talents, whether it is a little time or a lot of time. Sometimes God takes from us while we're here on earth, and sometimes he doesn't take from us till we get to glory at the judgment, and then suddenly we realize we don't have anything laid up. We don't have anything invested. There's nothing that we're going to get in glory because we haven't invested anything. Can I challenge you to look totally different at your life? Can I challenge you to see yourself as a capitalist with your time and energy and love and talent and money and and everything you've got? Look into people's hearts and lives and needs. Call them. Invest in them. Give your love to them. Show interest in them. Bake a pie for them. Yesterday, a young woman in our our church just shows up at our door. She's standing there at the door with an absolutely scrumptious, delicious, homemade strawberry pie with no whipped cream all over the top, no white blood mud scattered over them so that I could eat it. And it was out of this world. Now, what an opportunity for you to do something like that today at 245. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I mean. It It was just there. She just decided to do it. Did you see the Karate Kid, the movie? Young Daniel. How do you say that? Miyagi? Is that what? That was his name, wasn't it? Miyagi? Young Daniel comes to the master and says, would you teach me karate? The master says, yeah. First day he comes, you know what he makes him do? Do you remember the movie? He puts him on painting a fence. He says, paint that fence. i paint it just this way. Go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And Daniel paints all day, up and down. Second day, Daniel comes and says, okay, I'm ready for my next karate. When are we going to get started on karate? He said, well, I got something else for you. to do. I got this deck out here that needs to be scrubbed. Now go out and scrub my deck. And he said, now use this motion. Use this very motion. And so Daniel scrubs the deck all day. Next day, Daniel comes... Okay, I'm ready to learn karate. Now, what do I do today? He said, here are three cars out here. I want you to polish the cars. Now, use this precise motion. You put the polish on, then you buff it off, and use this very motion at all these different angles. Use that same motion. And the next day, Daniel is mad as sin. And he comes to Miyagi and says, I am sick and tired of doing your dirty work for you. When am I going to learn karate? And the master gets angry and says, I promised you I would teach you karate. Now get ready. And he tells him to get in his stance. And Miyagi gives him a kick. Ooh, <laughs> better not do that too, <laughs> too much. And Miyagi gives him a kick. And instinctively, Daniel fends the kick with a motion that he's been perfecting. And he comes at him with an arm and instinctively he fends off the arm with a motion. And he gives him another kick and instinctively he uses the motion he's been working on. And Miyagi walks away and says, yes, now you're learning karate. Look, folks, take it one at a time. You got an opportunity to serve. Go do it. You'll develop a serving motion that will invest forever for eternity in your life. You got a chance to be an assistant teacher, grab it and run until somebody announces to you you have no gifts of teaching. (laughs) If somebody comes at you with an opportunity to minister, to love a family in trouble, take the opportunity and invest your life until you've developed the servant motion. And in the servant motion, you'll wind up spending your life investing money, time, talent, and energy for the glory of God. Boy, you want a revival in Calvary? Let us all learn from Miyagi the tricks so that we'll be a serving church, able to defend, able to invest, so that he won't take from us and give to someone else. Amen and amen. And the one who laid the motion for that is the servant of servants whose name was Jesus, who went to a cross for you to die because he had developed the servant's motion.